Open your Bibles to what? Daniel in chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4. And as you're turning there, let me just refer you back to the very first three verses of Daniel from last week. Oh, what a great week that was. It has seemed good to me, Nebuchadnezzar says, to show, to declare the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. And we start with this preamble to these, this long chapter uh, four, and he, these first three verses set the case for what's taking place. Are you there, Daniel chapter four? Okay, if you don't have a Bible, we've got some people coming around with the Bible. We're big about the Bible around here. We kind of have the rule that you got like about two, three, four Sundays to come and not bring your Bible after that. You got to have one. Because uh, we don't just talk about the Bible around here, we dig into it. So let's do some digging. Here we go, Daniel chapter 4, verse 4. I, Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. Now let's pause here for a minute and kind of set what's going on. I think you kind of get the idea what's going on here. This is like a sweet day at this moment for Nebuchadnezzar. The word at ease, it's talking about at rest, at con- he's contented. I could describe it this way. It's like sitting back and going, yeah, uh, with me. Sitting back and going, yeah, that's at ease. The kids are in taking a nap. It's a beautiful day. And he's sitting back and the king is at ease. There's another word there it's talking about. He says he's at ease in his house and he's prospering. The word prospering, it's an interesting word. It talks about flourishing. It actually has a, uh, can be used at places to talk about that which is luxuriant. Uh, The word in the day was actually used in a specific uh, term uh, describing a tree. It's so fitting for this text. It's almost ironic. It's kind of like almost God was behind the words. Oh, yeah, he was. And in this, in this word, the literally, it's not politically correct usage, but it's talking about it literally means to be green. And what it's referring to is it's referring to where if you go out and you see this, just this gorgeous tree, and you look at it and you're like, yeah, that's a tree. I mean, that's a gorgeous tree. That is one cranking, flourishing, luxuriant, leafed out, fully green tree. That's what the word's talking about. It's this, I made it. I've made it. So here's kind of the two ways of starting this text, this story that's really telling how we got to verses 1 through 3. And Nebuchadnezzar is sitting back in his house, in his palace, and he's going, yeah, I've made it. I've got a question. How is Nebuchadnezzar sitting back, and what, what would he be saying? Yeah. yeah, let's do that together. Yeah, I've made it. question. Um, when was this all taking place? When was this taking place? Let's just set a context here. Nebuchadnezzar, chapter 4, verse 4. This is taking place somewhere between 30 to 35 years after chapter 3. 
Okay, so if I were you, I would encourage you in your Bible right there by verse 4 to write there, just put 35 years later. This means that Nebuchadnezzar is somewhere in the range of upper 50s, if not 60, 61 years old. This guy's got some gray hair. Yeah. Uh, this guy's had some life behind him and some years behind him. He's Just think of that. Get in your mind, he's about 60 years old. That means that Daniel is in his 50s. No more teens, no more 20s. Daniel is somewhere in his 50s, okay? So let's pick up verse 5. Verse 5, I, Nebuchadnezzar, saw a dream that made me afraid. As I lay in bed, the fancies and the visions in my head alarmed me. What a contrast between verse 4 and verse 5. Verse 4, it's like, yeah, I've made it. Verse 5, it's like this. Ah! I understand. It's not just saying, oh, I was bothered. Oh, that was creepy. Ooh, that was weird. That's not what was going on. The term that's used here is actually referring to he was terrified. This is not the first time that God has been working in this man's life to terrify him. But he had this dream and he's literally in this place of being terrified. Ah, question. What do you do when life gets alarming? What do you do when life gets to that place where literally it's like out of the blue? I didn't expect that. I wasn't asking for that. But life gets alarming and you're just like, ah, what do you do? I want for us to make sure and observe here because this is not the first time this is taking place. There's something pretty amazing that I think that is I'm going to camp on for a little bit for us here with Nebuchadnezzar and he does this. He gathers together his community of counselors. He gathers together his community of counselors. Uh, let's keep reading verse 6. So I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. And then the magicians, the enchanters, all these guys, the Chaldeans and the astrologers, if you've been here, we've gone over these and talked about these. These are familiar men. And I told them the dream, but they could not make known to me its interpretation. We've seen that happen before. Verse 8, I love this. Nebuchadnezzar is writing this, and look at this. At last, Daniel showed up. You, you are already are getting a sense of some really special relationship here. We'll, we'll, we'll camp on that here in a little bit. But at last, Daniel came in before me. Who's Daniel? Well, he was he, he who was named Belshazzar after the name of my God and in whom his spirit of the holy gods and I told him the dream, saying, O Belshazzar, or Daniel, chief of the magicians, uh, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods... Oh, by the way, you see the plural on the gods and the small g? Uh, you see, when Nebuchadnezzar is writing this story at the age of, let's just say, 60, he is still a polytheist, all right, when this is taking place. There's all kinds of gods, gods everywhere. Whatever's good for you is good for you. Whatever's good for me is good for me. Hey, whatever. God's, God's, God's all around. I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and that no mystery is too difficult for you. Tell me the visions of my dream, Daniel, that I saw in their interpretation. Now, I want to camp on this community of counselors thing for a little bit because I think this just gets blown over. I just am so impressed with Nebuchadnezzar here. Again and again, he gathers these guys together and you're like, well, but he's the king and they're his employees. I mean, that's what they're supposed to do. No, he doesn't have to do this. He doesn't have to pull these guys together. It's not like they're indebted that they have to come in and give them input. 
Nebuchadnezzar invites these guys in. The situation is Nebuchadnezzar has a life alarm that takes place. What does he do? He gets a select group of people to speak into his life situation. Again, he's king. He doesn't have to have these guys speak into his life, but he does. He invites them in. Uh, Four things about these guys. Number one, they're proven. They're wise men. They're certain kinds of individuals that have shown their expertise and ability in their areas. These are proven individuals. Secondly, they're known by Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar didn't end up saying, hey, woo, woo, oh my, I wasn't expecting this. Hey, just go down the road because there's like 59 temples, literally like 59 temples in the city of Babylon, which is huge. And just go find some of the priests, or I don't know, like just go find, look on the door for like a counseling center with some people and just like bring them this way and let's just talk. That's not what happened. Uh, They were proven, but they were known by Nebuchadnezzar. He specifically asked for certain groups of people. They were proven, they were known. Also, they they were informed about Nebuchadnezzar. These guys were not random, unknown individuals into their lives. These were men in this situation that knew Nebuchadnezzar. They had been around for years and decades. Uh, You know what it's like when you're working for someone over time. You understand how they work, how they function, things that drive you nuts about them, things you really appreciate about them. These guys knew Nebuchadnezzar in some shape, manner, or form. They knew his life. They saw it. They were inside the palace. They were allowed behind the curtain. But that also means that Nebuchadnezzar allowed them behind the curtain. Again, he's king. He doesn't have to allow anybody anywhere. He can take them out in a moment. But here in this, I'm just continuing to be impressed again and again over these chapters how Nebuchadnezzar allows these kinds of men into his life. Fourth, they're anchored men. Now, one of the things is, is you may be going, well, Doug, I mean, these guys are all polytheists. They're kind of like not on the same page that we would be from a biblical perspective. I understand, and I agree. These wouldn't be the kind of men I'd be asking to come in. But I want to tell you this, Nebuchadnezzar is a polytheistic pagan at the time. And for him, he sees these guys as anchored in the same kinds of things that he is. And just as an observation, he's pulling the same kind of people and anchored in something. They're just not randomness. Uh, These guys he's pulling in are proven, they're known, they're informed, and they're anchored. I just, this has so struck me this week in this passage. Uh, So I just want to ask you, and I want to ask us, do you have a community of counselors? that can come and speak into your life? Seriously. Do you? If an alarming situation would pop up, what would you do? Would the idea of even gathering together a community of individuals to speak into your life, would that even be on the radar for you? Who would you get? I'm not talking about taking a family poll. I'm not talking about taking a poll of your friends. I'm not taking it about just taking a poll of various individuals and your hobby mates. I'm talking about a community of counselors in your life. I'm going to make a very bold statement here. Hold on. 
what I'm going to say it. We American Christians stink at biblical community. We American Christians stink at biblical community. We are so individualistic. It's astounding. Who are you to input into my life? Who are you to tell me what to do? I got an answer to that. How about the body of Christ? And here's a pagan, a pagan king who pulls together a community of people to speak in his voice. Bear with me. Who is your community counselor? Two weeks ago, bear with me. Knew this was coming, but I'm going to do it anyway. Bear with me. Two weeks ago, very close person in my life, not here from this church, calls and contacts six individuals. Says, hey. Major life situation. It's coming to my life has just turned me upside down. I don't know what to do. And instead of playing this game of like all of us talking to you, talking to you, talking to you, you guys know me. Can we gather together for an evening and talk this through? Out of the six, four were able to be there. Myself, Karen, other guys the most incredible night of my life talking for two hours about the whole scenario what God has brought into this guy's life and asking will you speak will you speak into my life we didn't know these other two guys but I'll tell you, I was impressed. And as time goes on, over the time, all four speak in perfect harmony together. And it wasn't what he was expecting to want to hear. In fact, the end of the conversation ended up being, wow, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. But I guess I called you guys here. I guess I have to submit to it, huh? Yeah. 
we American Christians, we really stink at understanding communion. In fact, one of the guys that was there from South America, he's been here for 20 years now working with people, counseling with people and so forth and helping people. And he said uh, that exact statement, you Americans just don't get community. I think there's some areas as a church we're growing in, but I just want to put it out there. Uh, we got a long ways to go, crew. Yeah, but others don't come to me. Oh, come on. Let's man up. Yeah, but I just don't click with them. Do you think Nebuchadnezzar was looking for golfing buddies, hunting buddies, hobby buddies, shopping buddies, Xbox buddies? Scrapbooking, buddy. <coughs> Nebuchadnezzar was looking for people that could speak into his life. And we are in such a surface realm. You see, we program this in a Christian world today. We program community, and then we think it's real community, and it's about this deep. That wasn't what Nebuchadnezzar was looking for. He was looking for people that knew him, that were proven, that were going to be able to speak into his life and be able to man up and hear up in front of him and speak into his life. And I'm driving this one hard home because we got to hear it. The point at the end of all that I'm to be building and inviting a community of counselors to speak into my life. I'm to be building and inviting a community of counselors to speak into my life. May I remind you next to that also to write down Romans 15, 14. My brothers, my sisters, you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. I mean, after all, all we have is the Spirit of God and the Word of God. That's it. That's it? No, that's it. The Spirit of God, the Word of God, is the people of God come together. Oh, can you tell? I'm a bit worked up. Daniel chapter 4, let's pick up. Verse 10. The visions of my head as I lay in bed, sounds like a fairy tale, doesn't it, were these. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong, and its top reached to heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it. The birds of the heavens lived in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. This is one rocking tree. Verse 13, I saw in the visions of my head as I lay in bed, and behold... A watcher. Yeah. A holy one. Oh, does that not sound like fringe? Right there out of the scriptures. Here he is. He sees this tree. And the parallel universe shows up. Oh, come on. Have a little fun. You know fringe? Oh, come on. Get with the gospel. <laughs> anyway, look at this. This is so, so cool here. So, man, that was quite a mood shift, wasn't it? 
He sees this tree and all of life being held under it and enjoyed under it and lavishing and flourishing under it. And then this watcher. I love the way the scriptures terms this. Because literally the word is talking. And by the way, it's, it's behold. It's, it's an emphatic, look, look. He's like, and then look after this tree. I saw there's a watcher. One who is awake and keeping watch over. Hey, friends, seriously, the heavens are watching. Do you realize that right at this moment, right at this moment, the Godhead, the heavens, are looking and seeing and watching over. They know exactly what's going on. I think that is so cool, and yet at the same time, that gets pretty scary. But so cool. And it says the holy ones. Every time you see holy, I think we have a hard time understanding what that really means. Just think in your head, set apart. Holy means set apart. Just set apart. Whenever you sing holy, 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 it's just set apart, set apart, set apart are you, God. And here are these watchers, and they're watching over, and they're set apart. And they proclaimed, verse 14, and he proclaimed aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree, lop off its branches, strip off its leaves, and scatter its fruit. Let the beast flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but leave the stump of its root in the earth bound with a band of iron and bronze. I think that has referring more to almost like putting a fence around it amid the tender grass of the field. Now we're talking about a tree, but now look at shifts. It's let him. This is talking not about a tree. This is talking about a person. This is talking about a man. This is talking about Nebuchadnezzar. And this watcher says, let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts and the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man's and let a beast's mind be given him. Notice that given to him and let seven periods of time pass over him. Uh, there's some discussion about is that what periods are those? I, I'm going to fall on the side of seven years. But I do want to make a note here. There is sovereignty of God all over this. A note about this person who's been chopped down. When a tree's been chopped down, there's still life there, but it's not the life that it was. It's chopped down, and it's chopped down for a period of time. And notice just the sovereignty of God in there. It says, and let him be wet with the dew of heaven. His residence is gone. The roof over his head has been taken away. Next, it talks about his portion is gone. The food at his table. In other words, the food tables moved to the barnyard. And then third here, his mind has changed. In other words, his mind has been taken. The mind, the seat of reason, it's one's control center. It's here where humanness resides. I want for us to understand what's going on here. God, in his sovereignty, is, is going to be taking away from King Nebuchadnezzar, the owner of supposedly all things, taking away from him his home, his food, and his own mind. That is a sovereign God. It kind of changes the thing when you pray before dinner or pray before a meal because it's literally God's allowing this meal to have happen. This house that I have, thank the Lord for it. Literally thank the Lord for it. The fact that I have an ability to be able to think and process and even the fact that I have the ability to be able to understand God in the scriptures and then submit myself to that, receive Christ as my Savior and grow in that, that is the gift of God. There's sovereignty all over this. In verse 17, 
who did this. The sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones. Now, the angels, they're messengers, so these are, this really is a decision by God, by the Godhead. Why? Look at the middle of verse 17. To the end that, for the purpose that the living may know, not wonder, not hope, not think, not be more convinced of, but not sure yet, it may know that the Most High rules. Hey, friends. In case we're forgetting, God rules. See, that was part of the problem that uh, not only Nebuchadnezzar was having, but uh, frankly, that's part of the problem you and I do have. Is God ruling in me today, or am I ruling? That the living, not just Nebuchadnezzar, but that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and set it over the lowliest of men. Verse 18, this dream I, Nebuchadnezzar, saw. And you, O Belshazzar, Daniel, tell me the interpretation because all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation. But you are able. <laughs> For the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Verse 19, then Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, in case we forgot, was dismayed for a while, and his thoughts alarmed him. The king answered and said, Belshazzar, let not the dream of the interpretation alarm you. And Belshazzar answered and said, uh, My Lord, may the dream be for those who hate you, and its interpretation for your enemies. I want to pause here for a little bit. Because there is an incredibly special relationship that's going on between these two guys. And respect and admiration and gratefulness for. It's been a 30, 35 year working relationship. It started out with Daniel being a, a, a slave of Nebuchadnezzar's. And then we'll say kind of moving into, just for our terminology, moving into an employee of Nebuchadnezzar's. And all the way to where he gets to the point where he's literally the governor of Babylon. Babylon is the city of the kingdom. He's governor of Babylon. He's a leadership partner. Nebuchadnezzar is king of Babylon. Daniel is the governor of the capital city where the king lives. We just see this respect. We see Nebuchadnezzar admiring Daniel's abilities. We see Nebuchadnezzar welcoming who Daniel is and what Daniel can do. We also see Daniel seeing Nebuchadnezzar's skills. I mean, this guy doesn't want for what he understands to take place to happen to his king, partner, friend, boss man. And I'm just going to add in here behind the scenes, when you look at the whole, Nebuchadnezzar was amazingly gracious for what could have happened. Nebuchadnezzar was gracious to the captive Jews. He could have been like Pharaoh and turned them all into slaves. It wasn't necessarily the greatest. He wasn't necessarily like a, a super kind guy to him. But on the whole, I think Daniel understood that on the whole, it's a whole lot better to have Nebuchadnezzar than a whole lot of other possibilities. I was just going to say, for all of us who work in the work world, Daniel stood out in a secular world. In fact, Daniel was appreciated. As much as possible, Daniel was appreciated. Let me just kind of put it this way in, in the mix of it. Uh, here's these, this bizarre relationship, a king and his captive, in, in a bizarre uh, setting. I mean, he's really, if you will, he's, a ki he's an Iraqi king with a Jewish governor. Put those two in a pot. 
and let's see what happens. I mean, that's literally what it was. It's a polytheist and a monotheist working together in this kind of a way. Are you maybe in your world going, that's my work world right there. And yet look at how Daniel handles himself in the whole situation. He's faithful where God has placed him. He's engaged where God has placed him. He's valued even by those, not all of them, but many of those around him. In fact, I put it this way, he's viewed as a blessing to those around him. Not all, but to a good number. Here's a point I want to draw. We can put number two. As much as is possible with me, I'm to be an engaged and valued blessing to my world. Are you? I'm just going to real quick. Back in my business days, I'm sad to say, some of my worst employees were Christians. There was a laziness. There was an expectation. There was sometimes a disconnect from everybody else. <laughs> just so saddening. I'm to be an engaged and valued blessing in my world. Is that your testimony? I even just want to bring that to us as a church. Is that, is that our testimony? Is that going to be our testimony? I'll tell you, folks, when you do a church plant, you've got to have like a 10-year vision of where things are going. And a year number 10, I'm telling you, I want for this place to be viewed in this community as a blessing to this community. And not like that's a place where they get all cranky and they like talk about everything that's wrong in the world. Hey, listen, we'll stay to scriptures. We'll talk about sin because God talks about sin. And if you don't understand sin, you really don't understand grace. But I want to tell you this. I want to be a valued blessing in this community as much as is possible with us. Oh, I'm telling you, there's so many things I told Karen this week. I could spend four weeks in this chapter, and I'm just about there here with time. So let's keep on going. Verse 20, the tree you saw which grew and became strong so that its top reached to heaven and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Verse 21, whose leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant, and in which was food for all, under which beasts of the field found shade. In other words, Daniel's repeating the dream here and telling him what it's going to be about. And in whose branches the birds of the heavens lived, it is you, O king, who have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and it reaches to heaven, and your dominion to the ends of the earth. And because the king saw a watcher, a holy one. I gotta tell you, I just love this. I, I just love the fact that, you know, here we have a TV show that talks about there's a real world, that there's a parallel universe going on. I wanna tell you what, there is. There is a God who knows everything that's going on and he's watching. Coming down from heaven. Okay, maybe a little off, but hey, we're having fun. Chop down the tree and destroy it. But leave the stump of its roots in the earth bound with a band of iron and bronze. Again, I think this is setting a fence around the stump of what's taking place here so that people can't get in. It's going to be protected for a period of time. And in the tender grass of the field, let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts of the field. Again, all repeating this till seven periods of time have cast, been cast over him. Verse 24, this is the interpretation of a king. It is a decree of the Most High which has come upon my Lord the King that you shall be driven from among men. And your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox. 
and you shall be wet with the dew of heaven, and seven periods of time shall pass over you. Is this a joke? Is this just kind of a story? No, this is for real deal. I'm just going to tell you on this, though, over the decades, there have been study and research done on people in psychosis kind of situations that are like this. In fact, there's words for this. I'm not even going to bring them to the table for the reason of this, because this isn't a psychotic episode. This is a supernatural episode. Okay? And this is God's sovereignty, exactly, Jim, coming in and working here. Why? Till you know, Nebuchadnezzar, that the most high rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Verse 26, and as it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you know that heaven rules. In other words, you'll come back. If you repent, therefore, Daniel kicks in after the interpretation. I love this. Therefore, Dan, therefore, O king, let my counsel be accepted to you. And this is the bud thing. This is the, I love you and I respect you. And he's like, please break off your sins. Daniel calls him to repent. Listen, this is one of the community of counselors in his life. This is speaking love into his life here. Listen, he's tactfully speaking truth, calling him to repent. Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel's in essence saying, you need to see this as a warning shot across the bow of your ship. God's giving you an advance notice. Maybe repent, repent and maybe God will, will retract some of what his judgment is upon you. I would just want for you to notice here, what is repentance? It's breaking off your sins. There's both a personal and a public reality to it. Break off your sins. Snap. That's radical. Yeah, that's repentance. I'm sorry. I apologize. No. Snap. That's radical. Uh, This is what takes place in the mind. This is what takes place between me and God. I'm going to personally stake it. But not only that, notice here, he says, break off your sins, and here's the, the, the public, here's the practical outshowing of repentance. By practicing righteousness. And your iniquities? By showing mercy to the oppressed. Uh, listen, uh, our actions show what's taking place inside. Life change proves internal change. Right living flows out of changed thinking. Then he says, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. Let's just keep going. Verse 28. God, this is, last week we did three verses here. We're doing like a bazillion, huh? Verse 28. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. All of it. All of this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, how many months? 12. Think of this. Here God gives this judgment upon Nebuchadnezzar. He gives the judgment upon him, and then he gives him 12 months of time, 12 months of time to repent, 12 months of time of God's long suffering on this man, 12 months of time for him to process it, think it, change it, work it, 12 months. That's a cool God. That's not a God that's sitting there like, I can't wait to crush you. That's a God who's saying, listen, this is what's going to happen. Please, please, please repent, repent, repent. If you have a view of God with his teeth sharp and his fingers ready to grab and snatch and rip, that's not what we're seeing here. Nebuchadnezzar had a choice. 
At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, and the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power, as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? Now, you and I read that, and we go, Man, is that guy arrogant. And I'll say this, in, on a horizontal level, he's exactly right. I mean, look at this. Look at this. Hanging garden, one of the seven wonders of the world. This guy was incredible. Amazing. And, you know, we look at it in our mind, we kind of look at the city and we kind of go, okay, he's president over all that. No, he owned all that. That was on his asset list. The entire city, the entire world that was known of the kingdom. It wasn't just like he was overseeing, it was his. This dude was a dude. And he's like, I'm a dude. But how often I do that. How often we do that. Man, look what I've done. Look at my family. Look at my kids. Look at my house. Look at my car. Look at my job. Look at my ridiculousness. Look at this, verse 31. While the words were still on his mouth, God not know the intentions of the heart? While the words are still in his mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. No, we won't do the fringe music. <laughs> o King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox. Seven periods of time shall pass over you until you, this third time, until you know that the Most High God rules the kingdoms of men and gives it to whom he will. And look at this, verse 33, immediately, bam, from a Mark study a couple years ago. That's right, immediately, bam. It wasn't like you waited. God had been long-suffering, long-suffering, long-suffering. And then there came a time, kawamo, it hit immediately. And immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men, ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagle feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. Yeah, this is for real. Verse 34, at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven. I want to tell you, there's so many questions I have, so many things I'd love to spend time. Like, what did it look like? Like, what field was he in? I think likely he was probably within a field with actually within Babylon that was hidden away, literally probably eating grass like the cat from the cattle for the king. Did Daniel and the other guys have the opportunity to go see him? Don't know. I tell you, just the way my mind works, I've got so many questions about it, but I want to tell you this, it just starts getting it off the point. The fact is this, why seven years? Why not six? Why not five? Why not seven weeks? Why not seven hours? I don't know, but it was seven years. And after seven years of time, he lifted his eyes. Was that God making him do that? Was that him doing it? Was it a choice? Was he predestined? He lifted his eyes. What a great statement. I don't know how it all worked, but we know this. He lifted his eyes. There's, it's, that statement wraps everything up. He lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned to me and I blessed the Most High. 
and I praised and I honored him who lives forever for his dominion. You see, this, there's, this, is a, this is a thinking change. This is a repentance change. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accountable, are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? sermon right there verse 36 at the same time my reason returned to me god's sovereignty and for the glory of my kingdom my majesty and my splendor returned to me by god's sovereign hand my counselors and my lords they sought me by god's sovereign hand and i was established in my kingdom by god's sovereign hand and still more greatness was added to me by god's sovereign hand verse 37 first word is what now we started out back then. Now we are at now. Now I, King Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven for all his works are right and his ways are just. I may not understand them all, but they are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Last point here. Let's work our way there. First, King Nebuchadnezzar had a communion of counselors to speak into his life. It's just kind of a thing that to me grows out of the text and the story of Nebuchadnezzar. Secondly, as we've talked about, Daniel was seeking as a person to be engaged in valued blessing in his world. And third here, there's a call to be one that invites God's correcting work in my life. Do you? God, if you need to shape me and work me and work me over, have at me. I'm still trying to figure out if that's really where I'm at. Hebrews 12, 6 says, the Lord disciplines those he loves. In the passage, it even uses the term in the English Standard Version, the Lord punishes those he loves. Well, that's kind of sick. No, it isn't. Verse 10, God disciplines us for our good, that we would become holy, set apart. Uh, just a couple questions as we wrap it up. For some, as we go through this, I want for you to know, God is after you. God is after all of us. God is after us to shape us, to work us, to strengthen us, to focus us, to get us on the right track. God is after us in love. In love. He knows what's best. He wants to help us come to the place where we're set apart more unto him. He is always about calling you and drawing you. And that means him allowing hardships into our life. Yes, allowing hardships into our life to shape us, call us, draw us, and work us to become more like Jesus Christ, Romans 8, 28, 29. And I don't know why seven years, but it took seven long, stinking years for him to lift his eyes. I just want to say this, maybe for some, you are going through the story and looking back at your life and it's like God just keeps after me and after me and after me in this area because he loves you. 
because he's not a fuzzy bunny God. He's a God that's working us to righteousness and to show mercy and to be set apart under him. Maybe today, maybe today you need to look back and see that God has been working you and working you and you've been fisting him. And he's just like, dude, I'm telling you, I'm so trying to help you. Lift your eyes. Lift your eyes. Drive the stake. Lift your eyes. And let's go. And do it with a community of counselors that can come alongside you. Maybe today you have a story like Nebuchadnezzar. Where you look back at your life and there was a time where God had just brought something in and you you saw how God used that in your life like nothing he's ever done before. I just want to say this, praise him for it today, would you? Thank you, God, for your refining work in my life. Thank you, thank you, thank you that it won't stop. It will continue. I also just want to put out there, maybe there has been someone you have been praying for for years. Maybe for decades that they would lift their eyes. Don't stop. Thirty-five years of partnership. I guarantee you, Daniel is praying for this guy. We're going to see that reality in Daniel's life here as we move ahead. Big God. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you so much for your love and your grace. I thank you for your long-suffering. I thank you that you're serious. You're just not pussyfooting around over eternity. You really want to grow a people that are radical for you, that are just enamored by you. You want to grow up a people. You want to grow up a nation. You want to grow up a dynasty of individuals who are lifting their eyes to you. God, I pray today if there's someone here who's kind of like this whole relationship with God thing just is a big uh, question in their head. I I pray today, I pray today, God, that that matter would be settled. That it wouldn't just be in the knowing about you, but it would be driving a stake for you to be about you. I thank you that you took a guy like Nebuchadnezzar and your patience with him over years and decades. You kept after him, hounding him, hounding him, hounding him to be a living testimony of you. I thank you for your persistent love that it doesn't give up. God, I just pray, even if there's someone today who's just in the seven years, that they would even just, after the service, some people up here to pray for them, or that they would just gather some people around to pray and to speak into their life. Oh God, may we be a group of people that get help us to grow in it. 
we need to grow badly in it. Wow. Daniel chapter 4. What an amazing reality. In Christ's name we pray.